What's going on, everybody? Back at you. Of course, Wednesday, as usual. We're uh, a day away from Game 7 of the World Series, so that's definitely what we're going to be hitting first. It's been quite the series. Uh, very unique. Obviously, if you've been following along, no home team has won a game yet, which uh, I don't believe has ever happened. And if it has, it's only been once or twice, as you can imagine. Um but we'll get into that in a second. We got that. We got, you know, of course, the NFL trade deadline, as much of a dud as that was yesterday on Tuesday, the uh, 29th. It is, you know, there were some moves made prior to the deadline a couple days ago that was that were, you know, notable. Jalen Ramsey, we've talked about it at length already at this point. But still, you know, big move, league-changing move for the Rams. They weren't so silent for the rest of the day, but a lot of the sellers were... Uh, not willing to part with their assets is, strangely enough, some teams not really sure of the motivation. But we will get into that, too. We'll probably pr probably do mostly uh, some baseball and football talk. Um, you know, NHL and NBA are kicking up. We'll have to do an NBA preview episode soon. Um, you know, season doesn't really start till Christmas, so I'm not rushing it. But we're, uh, we're definitely going to get into that more and more as the season progresses. But, uh, you know, a couple things there. Trey Young hurt. But he looks like he's all right. Um, you know, LeBron and AD looking to start starting to mesh. The Clippers look like a machine already. That is the most ridiculous like bench roster. They haven't even had Paul George yet. Paul George back, and they're uh, even without him. You know, one of the deepest teams in basketball. But we will get to that when the time comes. For right now, let's talk some baseball because, uh, as I said, it's been quite the series. So, the first two games, of course, in uh, Houston, the, the Nationals take the 2-0 win. The Nationals, so far this season, they've looked like, you know, occasionally you saw it with the Eagles in 2017, um, a team that is, you know, not the most talented. Obviously, you know, the Nationals are extremely talented. Their lineup is ridiculous, and they have two of the best pitchers in baseball. But when you put that up against the Astros, you know, it's not quite as impressive. But, you know, you see a team every couple of years come in. They're not You see it with the Kings in, in hockey almost a decade ago now. I can't believe it's been that long. When they were the eighth seed, they came up. The Predators, you know, teams just, it's magic. I mean, <laughs> there's really no way to describe it. October comes around, and something, something special happens to, to, to a team sometimes. And uh, we've, we've seen all that with the Nationals just storm through the playoffs until they hit the Astros, um, well, until they until they got back to Washington, I should say, because they did handily take the first two games in um, in Houston. So they come back to Nationals, and uh, I was they're still doing the uh, the two three two format in baseball. So two home games for the Nationals. No, I'm sorry, that's not what they're doing. It was two. Yeah, I'm sorry, two home games for the Astros, three for the Nationals, and then two for the Astros which seems to me to be more of a home field advantage. Like, that's even more important um, to have home field advantage because, you know, six and seven at home, and um, the other team only gets that one chunk of the series at home. They play the rest on the road. You know, they don't have that good. There's less travel, of course, 
But, you know, if you're the away team, does that matter too much? You know, you're still on the road that whole time. So, you know, of course, Houston thinking, you know, that they've got as good of a chance to take them, take this super hot team on. And we get to this World Series. And apparently it's away, away, I almost said away home field advantage, away field advantage. Because they just, it's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, really. Um, and, you know, the crowds have been crazy. The crowds have been awesome. But no team is yet to win. And that puts us in, and we're going to talk about game six last night, but game seven tomorrow in Houston, um, it looks like it's going to be Granky and possibly Scherzer, which is incredible, um, given what it was like two days ago, what we heard from him, or three days ago, uh, that, that you know he couldn't move his arm. And I don't doubt that for the slightest bit. I mean, Scherzer is a warrior. He's a freak. Um, there's no way he would have played without, you know, it being an actually debilitating inter- injury. But if he can play tonight, that is absolutely a game changer. Obviously, you know, he's a former Cy Young MVP winner. But it really, really, really takes another. Uh, I mean, it's not that they were saving him two games to go, but it's turning out like maybe that was the. Uh, you know, that was the smart move because the Nationals were able to take the last couple or the last one. Um, facing elimination. So let's talk a little bit about last night's game because, you know, up until the end there, they, they started to, the Nationals started to run away with it, but it was, you know, a tense game all the way through. Uh, to start the game, the, um, the Astros got two runs in the first off an Alex Bregman home run. And, you know, we saw, I'm sure if you're, you're following the, uh, and you're, you know, a baseball fan who's sick of hearing about this shit. He, uh, he walks all the way to first base and hands his bat off to the first base um, coach, which is hilarious. It's awesome. It's, you know, shit talking in the World Series. But, you know, he ripped a two-run homer. There's, you know, you deserve to be able to stunt in that case. So that happens, you know, and then I believe we come around to the fifth inning and the Nationals scored one more run, I believe, earlier in that inning. And uh, so that makes it 2-2. Juan Soto comes up to bat, and oh my God, does he destroy the ball. Uh, one of the, he, he's had a couple this playoffs. There was the one last series where he you know, went second deck. He, or he hit, no, you know, that wasn't him, actually. But he's had a couple massive bombs. I was thinking of the one that went off the train, but I don't believe that was him. That was Altuve, um, and that was this series, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But... Soto has looked awesome in this playoffs. He's now 21, maybe 20, 20 still. Um, he's a sensation. He was kind of supposed to be that Bryce Air, uh, Bryce Harper, you know, replacement, not replacement in sense of, you know, position or lineup spot, but as the the centerpiece of this team, the, you know, wonderkin um, coming up from the minors that they drafted. And, you know, he rips a second deck home run, just absolutely massive off Strasburg. Or, oh, oh my God, I'm all over the place today. Off of uh, Verlander, who we'll talk about in a second also. And he trots all the way down to first base and hands his bat off to the first baseman. Now, that's all good and fun, in my opinion. Pretty great on both sides. Um, and nobody got a friggin' ball thrown at their head, which is always, you know, the ideal, you know, baseball shit talk. But Bregman has to come out as, you know, the classic baseball guy and apologize after the game. He's like, I don't learn to play the I didn't get taught to play the game like that. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. I got caught up in the moment. 
And Soto gets interviewed after the game. He was like, thought it looked pretty cool. <laughs> Seemed like some fun. So I did it too. And like, why can't it? So of course, you know, everybody's taking Bregman's side because baseball fans are old people usually. And, uh, you know, he's apologizing for, you know, having fun while playing sports. That has nothing to do with the game, but it's just an ever frustrating thing of being a baseball fan that a majority of the fans are like, you know, 60-year-old white guys who want everybody to fall in line. But it's very, very, very frustrating when it's in the World Series. My man just hit, I mean, it was center field. It was second deck. It was ridiculous. It, it, there's no reason you can't. He could have been done cartwheels around the freaking, um, around the around the bases. Let alone, it's the World Series. Like you've gotten here, enjoy it. Especially the Nationals. You know, the Astros might be back, although they're losing guys. Both teams are losing guys this. Yeah, both teams are losing guys this off season. Why don't you just live it up while you're in there? Um, so that was just you know an annoying thing. But Verlander, we got to talk about a little bit. Now, he didn't pitch bad, you know. He didn't pitch bad. He kept him in the game. I believe they had three when he, they pulled him. Maybe not, though, because it may have been after that Soto home run. It may have been a little later when he started to get in trouble. He was uh, he had about 70 pitches in the fourth or fifth inning. He was, he was not efficient. There was a lot of runners even left on base early in the game by the Braves. Uh, but he didn't look terrible. But, you know, it's the World Series. You got to. You're Justin Verlander, as I said, Cy Young MVP. You gotta, you gotta show up with a, you know, you have to win the game yourself if you're gonna win, um, because it is generally so low scoring, and uh, obviously the Astros were only held to two runs, so not that it was, it was a tall task for, for Verlander, but he wasn't able to, you know, rise to the occasion, and we kind of have seen that in, um, World Series past, as they were discussing a lot in the broadcast, he has pitched the most World Series games without getting a win decision. Which, you know, it doesn't sound, you know, in the regular season, we don't even see too many decisions anymore because of how the pitchers go. But considering he's been in the league for 15 years, been in three World Series, and uh, is one of the best pitchers of the generation, as well as the fact that, you know, pitchers play they, they pitch longer generally, you know, we see, we're starting to see that backed off, but generally the pitchers pitch longer in the playoffs, those top tier guys, they got to use every, uh, you know, ounce of them before they get that off season to recover. So Verlander just was not able to get it done. Strasburg, unbelievable. Held him to two runs through eight and two thirds or eight and one third. He came out for the ninth to close it, gets a quick out and they pull him for, I'm sure a matchup that they, that they were ready for. And they close that out. And uh, take it to a Game 7 in Houston. And, man, am I excited for that. Um, I mean, it's tonight, so I'm really hoping some people listen to this before the game because it will be a you know null and void to a degree. But either way, I'm going to be right back. I'll probably have to do another episode later this week to, you know, congratulate the Astros. Knock on, knock on what I'm hoping. Um, not a Nationals guy. Uh but either way, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. And then we come back to Scherzer. Scherzer's pitching game seven, at least as far as we know so far. And this dude's an animal. I mean, you know, we talk about the best pitchers that we got Verlander, you got um Granky. Not Granky. I mean, he is up there too. But you if, if we're talking we got Verlander, Kershaw, Scherzer. Those have been the three best pitchers of this generation. And 
Scherzer's had the most, you know, playoff success. We've seen so much struggles from Grant. Uh, I keep saying Granky Kershaw in the playoffs, and we got the uh, the World Series issues with Verlander. So this could be a real. Uh, I mean, nearing the end of his career, he's thirty six years old. Not that he's shown any signs of uh, slowing down, and I'm sure he will keep pitching for a while. But nearing the end of his extremely elongated prime, we'll say, uh, Scherzer has a chance to really, uh, you know, punctuate his career with a signature signature win if he can. If he can hold this, you know, stud Nationals lineup to, you know, just two runs, a run or two, or, you know, pitch eight innings or something, that and not, it's just going to be a cherry on top of one of the greatest careers we've seen. So it's not like, you know, it'll be a defining moment for him, but you know, it 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 could be, you know, the the, the cherry on top of one of the greatest pitching careers that we've seen, at least in my, you know, twenty one, twenty two years of life. Uh, so I'm 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 rooting for. I'm rooting for some great baseball more than anything. I want to see Scherzer, um, you know, mow down some guys. But at the same time, I'm not rooting for the Nationals, as I've said. And uh, on the other hand, we do have Zach Granke. Zach Granke. I can't say his name, but I keep inserting him for other people. You got Zach Granke on the other side. And, I mean, he's no schlub. He's right behind that list of those three guys we list. The next tier, you know, you could start the next tier with Zach Granke. Um, he's got a Cy Young. He's ridiculous. His pitching staff is ridiculous. Um, and it it sounds like Garrett Cole will be available in relief if necessary. Um, any any time you can bring in the the almost surefire Cy Young winner in in relief, you know that's obviously an advantage. Um, especially when it's coming after a guy like Zach Zach Granke. You don't you know you don't get any you don't get any. It's not like oh you uh. You knocked out Zach Granke. We finally get to this bullpen. Nah, it's you knocked out Zach Granke, and you're going to get an inning two of Garrett Cole. And then maybe you get to, depending on how long, you know, Granke goes, maybe you, you get to face the uh, the bullpen. But I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. On the other hand, you know, you got so many you know, young. I mean, the Nationals are, are real. Like, Soto is... Soto is a legit superstar. They're losing Rendon and Strasburg most likely this offseason. Uh, we've seen how the Nationals have kind of bid on free agents in the past. Patrick Corbin was happy enough to take that deal. He could be available in relief today also. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep those guys. And then on the other side, you have Garrett Cole being up in free agency. And then I believe... One of their big guys is is done after next year. I think it's Bregman, who was you know the MVP, MVP favorite maybe for this year. So either way, these two teams will not be coming back as they are next year. So this is definitely you know, and they're losing top tier players. So both teams looking for their you know not last chance, but last chance with this this roster that they've been building. Um, I'm sure the Nationals are, are are thinking they're on the uptick again, but losing Rendon and Strasburg is going to be detrimental. If they lose them, I think they definitely lose Rendon because, you know, it's a third baseman. You can find another third baseman, although he's one of the best in baseball. But Strasburg has got to be the guy you go after out of those two guys, I would think, at least, just because, you know, pitching is so rare and Strasburg's so good and he's still pretty young and, you know, you've kind of been taking care of him for forever because with 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 them watching the innings and everything. 
But after this performance, after last night especially, he is going to be asking for quite quite the paycheck and uh, deservedly so. So that, that's all I got for the uh, the baseball this week, I think. But as I said, you know, we'll be back maybe 24 hours if the game's good enough. If it's a dud, maybe not. But uh, you know, I'm not expecting that. They uh, both teams have looked have looked pretty great in stretches this season, and with uh, the backs up against the wall, I imagine we're going to see quite quite the performance. But um, on to the football, we've got plenty to talk about. There it was a uh, status quo week. No, 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 too crazy of upsets this past week. Um, you know, the Falcons, Falcons didn't look good. Dolphins put up a, a decent performance against the Steelers. Um, Andy Dalton finally benched for the Bengals. It's about three years too late, but that's fine. You know, better late than never. Took them eight years to fire their head coach. And, uh, you know, quite a while to move on from Dalton. Hopefully they're done with him completely, but, uh, Took took a took a tough loss against the Rams. Uh, the Broncos lose Flacco. That's kind of big. I mean, not that they're you know much of a contender, but they lose Flacco after his fiery speech after the game about you know kind of going after the coaching and the play calling and everything. So that that that's a weird you know dichotomy. I'm not that that's a team that I'll talk about in a second. I I don't know why they wouldn't trade everything they have and start over. Uh, John Elway is an incompetent, um, you know, executive, excuse me. Uh, he's also a terrible person, but that's uh, beside the point. Um, but you got Joe Flacco as your franchise quarterback, and no other quarterback on that roster has ever played a snap in the NFL. That's the only team that only has, you know, that now has no, obviously, like, who would do that? What is your plan there? And it's Joe Flacco. It's not like he has a history of never getting hurt. Uh, he's also old and, you know, hasn't shown anything in, you know, a couple of years. So that was their plan going into the into the season. And they still weren't sellers at the deadline. So you got to think that uh, some changes need to be made at every end of the spectrum for the Broncos uh, because that is just, you know, pretty unacceptable i mean they 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 had harris the the cornerback on the market but you you got to get a deal done you got to take something you got to just start you know doing what the jets are doing as much as the jets suck they have a bajillion or the dolphins or like you know don't go that bad but the dolphins have a bajillion picks over the next two years literally so many picks at least they have a chance to get better the broncos are just stuck in that cycle i mean you know, they had that stud defense, but once Pey- Peyton Manning left, they haven't really recovered from that. And that was a while ago now. They, they've, they, the defense has fallen apart. You know, guys are all over the league now from that defense. And it's not the elite level that it once was, as well as the fact that everyone is older and they have not done much in the draft to improve. And, uh, yeah, John Elway is not good at his job and needs to be, you know, taken out of there. I'm, I'm not. I mean, I understand he is John Elway, and that's why he's still their coach, but or their GM. But uh, it's just clearly incompetent incompetence at this point. Um, on to another game. The Saints come back. You know, not a tough opponent, but Drew Brees comes back a little early. You know, maybe. Uh, I don't think he was ever in jeopardy of losing his job to Bridgewater, but. Uh, I'm sure he was uh it was it was coming into the back of his mind with 
the level of play Bridgewater has come with. Uh, he's undefeated. They've only got one loss. They're, they're looking great. Uh, arguably the best team in the league now. They got Breeze back. Freaking ridiculous offense. And, of course, we've seen what the defense can do. Um, Jets take a take the L against Darnold. Uh, the Jaguars look solid. Minshew, uh, there's some talk Foles might be coming back soon. So that, that'll be an interesting, another interesting uh, you know, dichotomy between those two because – We've seen a lot of that this year, more than usual. You know, you saw uh, Bridgewater look like he could be a starter. We see Kyle Allen look like he could be a starter. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one more. Uh, I mean, I guess Gardner, he, he clearly looks like he can be a starter. So uh, that'll be a tough decision for them. I mean, I love Nick Foles. I probably, you know, I love Nick Foles more than any other athlete maybe ever. But... It's not Cam Newton either. Cam Newton won an MVP, and he still is it's questionable about whether they're going to bring him back. So for me, you know, if, if Minshew keeps playing playing well, they're 4-4, four and four, um, and you make this season a little bit more about development, I, I, I can't, you know, hate that move. You already traded away Ramsey. So it's not like um, you're going all in, you know. You might be going all in, but if you're going all in, you, you, it's tough to you know lose your your best player, uh, at least on the defensive side. I guess arguably, but I would say uh, more important than any other player because of the position he plays. At the least, ar arguably the best player on that defense. But it is a stud defense. So uh, if you're gonna put Gardner in for the rest of the year and you know give Foles his old role that he's had so many times as the backup and you know kind of a teacher. I'm not sure Foles will be happy about that, but uh, he is in Florida. <laughs> He's making a boatload of money that he never thought he would say, that he never thought he would make, you know, considering he almost retired five years ago. Um, so it could be worse for Nick Foles, but I hope he's, uh, hope he's happy in his role down there because uh, that, that's a tough one. Let's talk Chargers-Bears. So this was an interesting as hell ending. 15 seconds left in the uh, in the first half, at least. And um, the Bears, you know, on the goal line. They have 15 seconds left, no timeouts. They run the ball. That is tells you what they think about Mitch Trubisky. They run the ball and then have to run up and spike it. Instead of taking, you know, you can take three quick pass plays in that time and still have time. You know, if they drop it, the clock stops, obviously. I don't need to tell you guys that. But there are so many opportunities you can do unless you think this is a guaranteed interception if I give this ball to Mitch Trubisky, which is really what Matt Nagy told you. So I do not envy that. Also still, you know, the one of, the, one of if not the best defense in football, but they are slowly uh, falling back, especially in that division. They're 3-4 and four now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's tough because – they're not going to be shitty with that defense. Not shitty enough to go get that quarterback. Um, and definitely not shitty enough to get that quarterback while they could still keep that defense intact, you know, money-wise, cap salary-wise. So I, I don't know what they do now. I mean, maybe uh, maybe they trade for Nick Foles or, uh, you know, Cam Newton if they really want to go Kyle Allen. Not that I think either of those things are, you know, smart or real possibilities. But they got to bring somebody in to play quarterback for that team if that's the route they're going to go, if that's the level of trust they have in him. Because it's just 
I mean, you can't operate like that. You're never going to win against a good team. You know, Bill Belichick or whoever is going to eat something like that alive. So we will uh, we'll see how they they deal with that. Um, Eagles, Bills, Eagles look like they're a little bit back on track. Uh, Bills, that's a tough loss for them, uh, especially in the way they did it. They did not look good. They, um, you know, gave up a lot to a struggling team, uh, a real struggling team in the Eagles. But the Eagles do look to have written the ship a little bit. Uh, they ran the hell out of the ball. It was great. They really, uh, you know, established that early and, you know, played off of it for the rest of the game. Uh, the weather wasn't great, so I'm sure that played a hand in the fact that they were running so much, but hopefully they stick with that going forward. Um, we'll have 49ers, Panthers. That was an absolute routing of the Panthers. The 49ers look like they're the best team in football, if not, you know, the second best. And, uh, you know, they really showed it the other night. Trevor, uh, Tevin Coleman had three touchdowns, um, much to my roommate's chagrin. He uh, had, a, had a late loss in fantasy due to Tevin Coleman. And um, Texans, Texans Raiders, that was a weird one. Um, if for those of you that didn't see, Sean Watson took a kick to the face and uh, still completed the touchdown pass. The dude is a actual superhero, and I love watching him play. Uh, he looked like he just got a boxing match by the next drive, and uh, it was it was quite quite the touchdown, quite the uh, the top ten play. But um, to get to some of the off the field stuff before we wrap up, we're flying through this episode. But uh, keep it keep it tight if we uh, if we have to. We got the uh, the trade deadline this past week, and we kind of discussed you know most of the things I wanted to talk about already. But I think overall, like the kind of the, the weird thing was that, you know, the sellers this year were very, very stingy. Uh, the market for certain positions was, you know, you saw Sanu go for a second and then you saw, you saw Sanders go for a third or a fourth, but either way, that's, that's a little bit pricey or maybe it was a third and a fifth or something. And, um, those are steep prices for wide receivers. So to set that market that early for a position like wide receivers as was, it definitely didn't bode well going forward that, you know, the prices were going to be achievable. And they really weren't for the most part. I mean, you saw a couple moves. There was the Akib Tlaib move, which we'll get to, but that was, you know, a cap move more than anything else. Um, and then most of the other moves were made earlier in the, in the, in the season. But, um, We'll talk about the three teams I want to talk about. I'll talk about the Redskins first. They have a 31-year-old left tackle, Trent Williams. Um, they were in discussions with a couple teams about moving him and just opted not to do it. He's 31 years old. He's at the end of his deal. There is literally no reason to trade him for whatever the best offer is because there has to be an offer. There's left tackles are you know the most important player on the field other than a quarterback and maybe cornerback it's it's ridiculous that they would keep him in a season like this especially if they're not going to play Haskins if you keep him and you're like oh I'm, I want to you know I want to have some protection moving forward for Haskins even if it's an Asian guy I need to make sure I have an anchor at the left tackle they're not even going to play Haskins this year draft a guy in the first round next year you can draft any position you're shitty at all of them 
it's not like they're, you know, they don't want to waste it on that pick. You got your quarterback. That's your one thing you got have to get. So now get some offensive line. Trade him for a pick that you use to take an offensive line. It's just, I mean, I know that's not a foolproof plan, but when your team is this bad, you need to stockpile chances to get better, and that's what draft picks are. Um, I mean, I think they've shown time and time again that they're, you know, pretty inept organization. So I don't know why I thought that would change, but it clearly has not um, in the uh, in the post Jay Gruden era. On the other hand, we have the Jets. Um, so this this is interesting because they were a team that didn't sell, but to a degree, it made sense. So Robbie Anderson was the one that made no sense. He's a free agent this year. He's going to walk. Why would you want to go play for that team unless they offer you the most money? Um, they wanted a second rounder for him. And, you know, for those of you that don't aren't too familiar with uh, Robbie Anderson, he's, you know, that Deshaun Jackson type receiver. He's not Deshaun Jackson, but he does open up the field like that. And um, also Temple grad, or maybe not grad, but Temple alum. Um. So that was a move that, that didn't make any sense. You know, in a team that's not going to win, I get it. You want to keep it over for Darnold, but it's not like he's connecting too much deep anyway. So, you know, I, I think the smartest play would have been to get rid of him. But then you have two other players that there were talks about also. You have Le'Veon, which I don't see where the market for him would be because, you know, every team in the league had the chance to sign him a couple months ago for, you know, a similar deal than that he's on now. It's not like they front-loaded at the deal. But um, also, uh, you got to give Darnold something in that backfield to, you know, ease the pressure off of him. But I don't, you know, uh, if they could have gotten something for him, I, I would absolutely have advised them to take it. Um, you know, something of, you know, reasonable, you know, something worth something, not, you know, a seventh round pick just to get him off the team. It's not like you're going to spend this money this year or next year because you're not making a push. Uh, at least it doesn't appear to be. And then the one that was the most interesting that everybody, you know, was waited with waiting with bated breath for at the trade deadline at you know, four o'clock yesterday was Jamal Adams. And this was like a back and forth and back and forth. We heard Ravens. We heard Cowboys. We heard I mean, I heard Eagles just because, you know, I'm looking at Eagles beat reporters. So I don't know how you know true or accurate that was. You know, I'm sure every team had some reports of, you know, calling with interest or gauging interest from the uh, the Jets. But the asking price appeared to be um, two firsts or a first and a second, and that was just too steep for anybody. And uh, I, I get that from both ways. You know, I'd trade Jamal Adams as the Jets for, as a team that won't win if they're going to give me, you know, back the Brinks truck up and just give me everything I ask for. But also, there's no reason to trade him if you're not getting that because he is an absolute stud. He's absolutely, you know, one first rounder is really doesn't make sense to take for him because you drafted him in the first round and he's an absolute stud. So you're just recycling that pick a couple years later and hoping you hit again with another star, which as we've historically seen is not a great plan. Two first rounders. That's a whole nother thing. Uh, take two shots to get another player like him or two shots to get, you know, a, two players, three quarters of him. That's in my opinion, sort of a no brainer. Uh, there are so few trades I wouldn't make for two first-round picks. Um, me, as an Eagles fan, I wouldn't trade Wentz. Uh, I wouldn't trade Fletcher Cox. Actually, I'd probably trade Fletcher Cox. I wouldn't trade Wentz, and I think that's it. And I 
I'd have to sit in a in, in a dark room for a couple hours, <laughs> just pondering my thoughts if I would uh, trade Fletcher Cox. But for a young guy like that, it it, it shows. I guess it kind of shows an optimism in the Jets organization, but that doesn't really you know tell me anything because that could just be you know more ineptitude. But um, one more team I want to talk about, and then we're going to wrap this up. Looks like it's going to be going to be a quick quick episode today, but uh, I'm hoping we're getting getting into some interesting stuff. Um, the Dolphins acquire Aqib Talib from the Rams, who you know he's on IR. I, I don't believe he'll be back this season, but he's an asset, and I believe they got a, a, a late round pick in exchange for him because uh, you know they're taking that contract. And I saw some tweets, so I'm not going to credit it, but it was a very Hinky-esque move. Sam Hinky, it was very, um, it had that feeling to it. And, you know, that sort of thinking is moving throughout sports and not just in basketball anymore because, it, it, it you know, though we always said, people always said that you can't tank in football because, one, you're going to kill somebody if you put that shitty a team out there. And, you know, we do see that happen every year now. And, you know, two, like, is there really that much of a disparity in talent that if you put those guys out there, if you put a team of NFL players out there, you know, are they going to be – can you can you do that intentionally and, you know, allow that to happen? It just – just it's not – it's such a violent game and it's such a uh, – I don't know. It's, it's fast and can change the – this a second it's just the whole idea of you know full out tanking and football was always kind of thought as something that wouldn't truly happen but you know we've seen teams do it more recently the jets i would say did it last year um and now we're seeing the dolphins do it this year and in the process they're now you know picking up a little bit of aged assets um but you know a key to leave still a keep to leave maybe they could flip him next year for some more picks um and they uh, they also have a stupid amount of draft picks. They they traded Laramie Tunsil, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Kenyon Drake this year. Um, three of their best players. Kenyon Drake they didn't get much for, but the other two, you know, they got a solid haul for as they deserved. Both you know top tier elite players. They have fourteen picks in the draft this year. That's twice as many as they were given originally. And on top of that, they have two firsts and two seconds in the following year's drafts in twenty twenty one. So. Uh, out of those three teams that we just talked about, three garbage, you know, dog shit teams, the Redskins, the Dolphins, and the Jets, the worst one is the Dolphins. And also, you know, the team that I would pick to be good in two years is also the Dolphins. Now, you know, they, they're another team that, you know, kind of has shown over and over again that they're not, you know, super great at running an organization. Um, but they seem to have some people in place right now that at least think they know what they're doing and are, you know, it always comes down to, you know, who's making the draft picks because we've seen that talk a little bit in Philadelphia with, you know, Howie and Joe Douglas. They've seen they've made all these great trades, um, but there has been a lack of um, a lack of uh, payout payoff when we've made these drafts. And, you know, there's, of course, you know, we got Dillard in the first round and um, there, there are guys. But if you can take a 14 pick draft and kill a 14 pick draft then that's a whole nother team next year. I mean, 14 players is so many players. And, you know, none of, not all of those are going to, you know, pan out. But over the next two years, that many, that many draft picks, 
There is no excuse for the Dolphins not to figure this out. No excuse. Also, either one of those drafts, I personally am a fan of waiting to get your quarterback. Uh, I think you build the offensive line um, and th- you, with a, you know, a first-round draft pick or two. Um, but it's tough to do that. you know? you got to show your fan base that you're working to get yourself to the next level. And the casual fan sees you know, whoever the hell is their quarterback right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and says, oh, that's stupid. But, you know, you see uh, Tua, or I know Trevor Lawrence isn't, you know, the guy anymore because he's had a terrible season. But you see a guy like that, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to go to the game. So I understand why you make the move for the quarterback first. But in my opinion, you go, maybe you go, you you get an offensive lineman. Um, in the first round this year, uh, I'm sure they have a million other spots to, to fill. But you do that, you build that up, uh, maybe trade some picks from this draft, you know, trade out of the draft and pick up some more for next year. And then next year, I mean, you got two firsts. If you trade two firsts, I'm sure at least, I mean, they could be, you know, following next season, they still could be the worst team in football. Uh, I don't predict it because we do see, you know, a little bit of a turnaround here, hopefully with 14 draft picks. But you got two first round picks and two second round picks in the following draft you know, as well as whatever else they're going to stockpile this next year. And, you know, if they trade any of the draft picks from this year and wound up with some from next year, there's going to be ample opportunity for you to get a quarterback over the next two years. So between all those things, the Dolphins, I hate to say they're like, you know, looking up or anything, but they are, uh, they're doing it right in my opinion, at least. That's the least I could say. But um, that's all I really got for you today, guys. We went, uh, a little short, but not too bad. Um, and as I said, I will uh, probably be back in a couple uh, couple hours after this baseball game because uh, I uh, I'm figuring it to be to be quite the game seven as as most game sevens are. So I will uh, hopefully be checking back with you tomorrow. And uh, I guess go Astros. Every window tinted with the rooftop. That money that you spend and get you shot. Yeah, they be hating, ain't got no reason. Right where they got me, the place I delete them. We kicking on weekends, just putting up secrets. I can't believe it, the shit that I'm seeing. I'm hearing your words, doing my reading, it's really absurd. Not enough leaders, the shit that they feed you is just what you're eating. They call me on veggies, I make it go green. Uh, I smash your team, fuck are you saying? You've got the candies, niggas just ran to get away and take over the land. Yeah, my mind on capital, I'm not just rapping, dude. I'm out to speak actual, factual, watch how I master move. You ball a fist with that gon' do. I'm from a city clapping fools, you off the tent and laughing while watching me fashion school, shit and style. You never had a hotline that I didn't doubt. Little princes always try and fit a bigger crown. But don't forget, I sit amid some season just them bitches knowing he a pimp ain't even need to read the blip. It was a good day. Good day to O'Shea, a death certificate for anyone who lay in my way. You best revisit all the tombstones that lay in my way. Me being knowledge, be honest, you seen the profit get sacrificed by the Get ratchet with ratchets out and they firing Residue on piatas, wonder what's up inside of them It sure ain't no Vicodin cause it up and excited them But they ain't get high enough if you ain't succeed Nigga, buy again and try it's again It's the irrational type of nigga that John Madden tackle you Steal your car keys and crash your coupe in the botanical Rap you with shackles, tangle you Pull from every angle, dismantle you Watch your blood, mix some mud and stain the gravel too Grab and shoot, rib cage open like a parachute Close range, Swiss blade, poke them if it's Blood stains, gold veins, mask on, no trace, murder, one, closed case, stolen with no place.
realize I'm the voice for those that do not have a voice. So I voice my fucking voice. I don't have a fucking choice. Cold blooded listen niggas, well I hope you got insurance. Shotgun and shorty living like the potent in my joint. Barrel smoking like red on back. Still can't believe I'm getting fed on the rack. I don't know the louder the back of the gap. My endorphins are morphing, absorbing energy. Original copy of Taylor Two Cities gets read to me. Reading Emerson novels, eating some Belgian waffles, some powder go up my nostrils, my